On today's show, we've got the latest on Darius Garland, plus notes on the Cavs weekend games. That was, of course, headlined by Donovan Mitchell, again posting above 30 points. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. That is Prize Picks, promo code LOCKDOWN. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I'm Chris Manning. I cover the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nation Fear the Sword. That man is Evan Dameral. He's a right to New Good and Fear the Sword. Evan, Cavs had a very busy weekend. So today, we're going to open up with the latest on Darius Garland. Then we're getting into the Bulls game, and then we're going to go to the Wizards game um, from Sunday night, which was also the home opener. The Garland News is just sort of the most, I think, uh, biggest kind of thing kind of going on right now in some ways. But Evan, you wanted a few minute, a few, a second here to, we're going to clear the runway for you, so to speak. So the floor is yours. Well, first off, shout out to front of the program, Danny Cunningham, and also front of the program, Brittany Mollis on getting engaged. They're both just great guests. Look at Locked on Cavs. Uh, they, they're already together, but we'll just, we'll just pretend we were in the match made in heaven for them. But also, I just sh- want to give a shout-out to Andrew here. Met him down when I was on the floor tonight. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Nation1Cavs. But called us both the GOATs, Chris. And I blushed a little bit when he said that. If uh, Again, I'll throw the picture. Clearly blushing a little bit there. It's not just the, the rosy cheeks in general. But, yeah, no, great guy. Uh, great time talking with him. And we always appreciate fan love. Like, we ran into a few folks, actually, tonight uh, at the home opener. So it was it was nice to see some folks. and. We always appreciate you listening, but rate us five stars, follow us on YouTube, all that jazz. So Yes, please do that. All right, let's get into Darius Garland. Uh, Darius Garland, according to J.B. Bickerstaff, is, quote, doing better. He he can uh, he wore sunglasses at the game on Sunday, so he was there. I, but he I, was, I morbidly told Chris they're weekend at burning him um, just by posing him with sunglasses on. He's actually just not actually there. It's just a fake Dar- Darius Garland body double, but go ahead. He, uh, according to Jimmy Bickerstaff, like if they his eye opens, like he can see, which sounds gnarly and kind of weird, but okay. I really uh, wish I could see what was underneath that lens. I'm morbidly I, curious. I think everybody is, but the, basically, what we know right now is that Garland is they they announced that it released this week that there's no structural damage. He visited with a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. He is with the team. He's not going to play. Uh, Chris Cleveland.com had and a report about this that he. It, they're maybe thinking Friday against Boston, which is obviously a big game. If not, it could be pushed to the weekend, which could be next Sunday at home against the New York Knicks. So, Evan, I, I think to link this in for me with the Sunday, the Sunday game, the home opener, which we'll talk about later, you could see like Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was sensational uh, in that game, obviously, but you can, you can feel in watching that it's just like, man, Darius Garland would... Re- like, the whole point of this is to pair them together. And this was so sort of like a redux in some ways of Garland having to be hero last year. And Mitchell, I think, did it better in, in a lot of ways. But 
you you clearly are just like it, it's you want to see these guys develop chemistry as, as fans of basketball. You want to see these guys start to figure stuff out. And that that is what we're we're missing with No Garland. But it's it seems like this isn't going to be something that keeps him out for an extended period of time. Yeah, and I think as you had noted, if the Cavs didn't have Donovan Mitchell, they'd be kind of swimming up creek without a paddle right now. Um it's certainly a different place to be in. Like you said, Donovan Mitchell is probably more equipped to do this because he's had to do it so much in Utah that I think asking him to do this for five or so games possibly uh, just to carry the load on terms of a playmaking and scoring and just everything in between, like, it's it's nice. But like you said, yeah, it'd be nice if the Cavs had Darius Garland out there. Maybe this game doesn't go to overtime against Washington. Maybe they're able to close up the Bulls a little bit easier. Maybe they don't struggle against Toronto to open the season either. Like the Cavs could be three and zero. Darius Garland didn't get poked in the eye by Fred Van or sorry Gary Trent Jr. being kind of reckless on a play. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough to see. I think it's good to have him in around this environment. And I think the only positive I can glean from this is I asked Donovan Mitchell about a post game like you didn't play with Evan Mobley at all during the preseason. Um, you're getting live ball reps with him right now. And like Donovan said, like, yeah, no, he's really good in the pick and roll. And this is a really good opportunity for us to get familiar. He's like, I think we're more than familiar with each other now. And he's just like, I think for us, when us as Donovan talked about the Cavs, he can unlock things offensively to kind of make things different and more versatile for the Cavs. And, um, whether it's Darius the ball, Donovan at the ball, or just Evan at the ball and the two of them playing off of him, there's ways the Cavs can go about this. And I think just that's the only like golden opportunity here is like that, Jared Allen, like your key offensive pieces next to Donovan Mitchell are kind of being forced to get familiar with him a lot sooner than they expected. So then you bring Garland back into the fold. Now you figure out the Garland-Mitchell equation, as you said, because you'd like to optimally have both of them on the floor together. But it's certainly going to make things a little bit more cohesive offensively when Darius does come back. I think there's like a world too where you're just like, I want to see like what these lineups at the end of games could look like with Garland and him. And that's like really the, the thing I'm intrigued by, right? It's like, I would like to see, um, I, I would like to see like, you know, would Jetty be kind of in some ways make sense as the third guy in those in some ways, or like, I think that's like an intriguing question just because he shot it so ridiculously well to start the season. Um, Lavert has had some positive we'll talk. We're going to do a show on Tuesday all about the Cavs role guys, specifically Lavert and Osman and Okoro, um, and, and dive into kind of what we've seen from them so far ahead of the Cavs next game on Wednesday. But like Lavert is kind of interesting in some ways, and I'm curious just to see how this all is. Just with Garland, it, we'll see. I, I, I suspect like this is going to be a very cautious thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he, there's no need I to mean, rush him if. No, and he's like bleeding in from his eye, and like he's wearing sunglasses at a game, and like it's not exactly clear. Like, I mean, I hear the word eye laceration and read that phrase, and I'm like, that's gnarly. I, I just, I don't know. Like, I have like no, because like we haven't seen the eye and all the, and like we're not doctors on these things. It's like so hard to gauge on like what this this injury sort of means. It's not like a sprained ankle or. It's just like such an uncommon occurrence that it makes it hard to sort of like even when we get updates, even when they say what's going on, and like the like he's fine. Like JB went out of his way to say that Bickerstaff is fine, really. Other like Garland is fine. Otherwise, aside from the design, like everything else is fine. It's just like the whole thing is just like you. You would hope he like whenever this is normalized, like that's just kind of an interesting thing. And just like I want to, I'm just curious to see like how he's dealing with some of this instance right? I'm like what he will like look like when he comes back 
Yeah, it is an interesting thought exercise overall. Like, what is Darius going to look like? What is this team going to look like on both ends of the floor? I think, obviously, it's at the top, they're going to be a little bit uh, easier, balanced offensively is the term I'm looking for here, just because you're not asking Donovan Mitchell to shoulder the entire load. And let's be frank, he has shouldered the entire load for the, ever since Garland has gone down offensively because... Evan Mobley's still a little timid at times. I still think he's trying to find his footing out there just because like there's a new offensive hierarchy with Mitchell kind of leading the show here. Um, Allen has been extremely consistent during this entire process. Like He's just a low-maintenance star of this core four the Cavs have. And it's just now figuring out this balance, like you said. And I think it's going to be tricky. It's not going to be perfect. Like There's going to be nights, like Mitchell said tonight, Like there's going to be nights where like the shots just don't fall and it's on them for losing it. Like I think... Just taking these small victories like you do tonight against um, the Wizards or against the Bulls on Saturday night as well. Like, those are just things you take. And to, like what I was saying before, like Garland and in the Cavs case, like they don't have to rush him back as Mitchell kind of keeps us going. But you also don't want to burn Donovan Mitchell out too soon early into the season when he's still maybe trying to get his legs completely underneath him so he can finally find that rhythm and balance and then kind of just throws everyone else for a loop when you bring Darius back into the fold. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, maybe the biggest downside of all of this, I think, and you hit just hit on this, is that Mitchell played, I think, 45 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back in Game 3 of the season. Like, that, like again, like, you... In, in how competitive the East is going to be, um, how... how just compart it's going to be to maximize your season and, and get the wins mm-hmm. you need. Like, I get, like... And JB, like, said, it's like, maybe I played him too much in times, whatever. Like, you really need to kind of get these wins and, and start stacking them up. But like, that's a lot of minutes. And like, even just for Mitchell, like the burden of doing everything and like over time, like he will probably feel the benefit of having Garland with him. And like when they can kind of get fully in sync, it's that, that, that is when this Cavs team figures it's a foul. And, but they're two and one with Garland, a having played a half and B being bad in that half. And like, yes, they lost mm-hmm. that game, but like they're, they're two and one against two teams who are, who I think come into the season in Chicago and Washington who have playoff aspirations. All right, after the break, though, we are going to transition into talking about that Bulls game, which was a Donovan Mitchell showcase game, which every game so far uh, seems to have been for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends, Price Picks. And you should know about, everyone should know about Price Picks at this point. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. You to play, pick two to five players and if they go, they score more or less their prize picks projection, you win. You can win up to 10 times on your money on any entry. It's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. That's a lot. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. It is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. It's that easy. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, back here on the Lockdown Cast podcast. I am Chris Manning. That man is Evan Damerel. Let's go into the Bulls game, Evan. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the only place to really start with this is that Donovan Mitchell had 32 points, 10 of 19 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 8 of 9 from the line. Like he has been, I think, maybe maybe the Toronto, maybe not the Toronto game just because the Cavs lost and maybe Siakam ultimately or whatever. I think Mitchell has just so clearly within this Bulls game and, and into the Sunday Wizards game just been the best player on the floor by like a wide margin for Cleveland so far this season. No, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think just with how the Cavs are constructed too, like I, like I said in the last second, Jared Allen is the most consistent of the bunch, I'd say. Like, yes, Mitchell has night in and night out for the first three games of the season been a cold stone killer for the Cavs, but like there's going to be nights where the shots don't fall for him or you're going to see games like, I believe either the Atlanta game or the Philly home game in the preseason where Donovan just has to like, is in a complete shooting funk and the Cavs have to run a set play for him to kind of get him going the second half. But there's going to be nights like that. But when it comes to Mobley or when it comes to Allen, like they're not going to have the ball in their hands more often than not. Like you're not going to see them initiating the offense. Like, yes, I know JB will encourage them to, but like on a possession to possession basis, you're not going to see either of those two initiate the offense. And that's just the refreshing with Donovan is like, you put the ball in his hand and like, you know, he is walking a fine line of passing the ball and getting out of those involved or scoring. And I've been kind of tracking these metrics for the first three games, but like, cause I, I am a firm believer that if the Cavs really want to like take this gear offense to another level, like when Darius sits, you let Donovan just cook and run point. And he's more or less scored or assisted on over a hundred points in the first mm-hmm. three games for the Cavs, which is absolutely bonkers to think about. And, I don't know where they stand in terms of offensive rooting overall. Like, I think it's mucky. I think there's a little bit of issues on some stuff because it's also just three games to track this stuff. But there's some tangible effect where, like, Donovan Mitchell is playing with a ton of energy, with a ton of gravity, with a ton of poise out there. And, like, he is more or less willing the Cavs to victory sometimes when you have, like, an inconsistent night for Evan Mobley against the Wizards or you have... Jared Allen, who is pretty reliant on a guard initiating the offense for him, or if you have Karis LeVert, who went 4-14 against Washington and was still able to crack double digits, or guys like Dean Wade or Jetty Osme coming like semi-reliable threats off the bench for you during this three-game stretch so far. Like There's small things you can see the Cavs are succeeding with, and it's a direct trickle-down effect from having Donovan Mitchell and just putting the ball in his hands. And like yeah, like you said, he has been, up to this point, the best player for the Cavs, and will likely continue to do so through the remainder of the season. The Bulls game, which is also, I think, for the Cavs is in a broader way, was of the two games this weekend, the more kind of pillar-to-post dominant performance. Like, they were oh. much more in control of that game. Like, yes, the Bulls pushed the, back the first, the first, the, Say the first quarter, the Bulls hit the Cavs in the mouth kind of hard. They were down 21-9, yes. to nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Normally in the past, you'd see the Cavs kind of crawl into their shell and rely on defense to turn this into a stone fight. Instead, they kind of came out swinging back and they fought the Bulls off and took advantage of the fact that Chicago was playing the second of a back-to-back and really just kind of put their foots on their throats throughout the game. To the point where, like, DeRozan gets ejected in this game, the Cavs, like, as you allude to, trying to start so early, win the first quarter 34-25 to ultimately. Win the second, thirty-six to twenty-nine. It's a twenty-five to twenty-three advantage for Chicago in the third, and then in the fourth, Cleveland just puts the smacks down the Bulls, thirty-five to thirty-five to seventeen advantage in the fourth. In that fourth quarter, Mitchell only has six, so it's not even like this is like Mitchell takeover in the way I think it was against the Wizards. You got seven from Levert, you got four from Robin Lopez, you got two from Howell Nato, you got five from Jetty. 
you got three from Isaiah Mobley and, and three from Lamar Stevens and five from Dean Wade. The last three guys in crunch time, um, not yeah. you know, in any not in real minutes. This, this became the last four minutes of this game were victory cigar minutes for, for the Cleveland Cavaliers when Isaiah Mobley comes in and, and makes a three and Dean Wade, who had not been in the rotation that night, gets minutes and Lamar makes his first debut of the season and all of that. Mm-hmm. This, what I mean when I say like they were more, I think, dominant, it's just like the Wizards game got very dicey late, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Mitchell it, bails it them out. Mitchell bails them out in that game and really played, like, just made some big shots, made some big plays against, a, I think, a pretty good Wizards defense. The Bulls game was like, okay, like, we were playing the team in the second round of a back to back. They're, you know, it's Levine's debut, but in, I thought he looked for the most part pretty good and pretty explosive. But, like, they, like mm-hmm. they just were, they were clearly just better than the Bulls. And I think they were clearly better than the Wizards as well in a lot of ways. It just kind of bared out that they win this game uh, by, like, they won this game by 32. Yeah, Sorry. and yeah, thirty-two. I did my I did math correctly there. You did do math correctly there, but um, I will say it is a stark contrast because the the Cavs took advantage and they didn't play down to their opponent. Like they they could have really mucked this out with the Bulls, and the Bulls started showing that they're a little gassed. Like you said, yeah, Zach Levine was incredible, but like Nicole, like Pat Williams wasn't great. Demar Derozan had thirteen points and three and nine shooting. Like Ayo Dusomu. Don Sunmu had five points, uh, four rebounds, three assists on two seven shooting. Like the, the the Cavs kind of exploited some of the weaknesses around Chicago and the fact that like they're a little tired, they're a little fatigued, and I don't think you see that last season. And more so in the Wizards game, the Cavs are in the same position as the Bulls. Like clearly, like you said, they played Donovan Mitchell forty five minutes against Washington in overtime. And they needed every 45, all 45 minutes from me. Like JB said that every shot that Donovan takes, like they weren't empty calories. Like everything he does on the floor has a purpose to it. And like you could see it against Chicago where he was getting everybody involved. He almost had a triple double in about 35 minutes played. And then against Washington, like he more or less willed the Cavs to victory time stretch because things got dicey. And like you said, the Wizards are good defensively. But more than that, the Cavs were just fatigued. They were showing signs of fatigue in that fourth quarter. Like you could clearly tell, like this was a Cavs team that was just in Chicago the night before. That our time change maybe has a little bit of an impact, but I don't know. I think this is this game against Chicago. Like that was more of a statement game. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like if they didn't have Darius Garland on the floor, and this was the Cavs last year, um, I don't think they went against Chicago like they did, or they don't kind of gut check and went against Washington like they did in overtime if they were missing Darius Garland and also didn't have Donovan Mitchell. I think the I think the the Bulls game felt more like something they might have won last year in some ways just because the formula was like I, I could see like, you know, if let's just assume like they, they don't make the trade and it's like the, those guys back on the roster and everything. I think there's like a world where like a lot of what worked in that game ultimately ends up working in the Bulls game. It was like I think Garland would have Garland maybe doesn't have some of the same issues he had against Toronto and and there's like a path there. I think the the what Mitchell did in the Wizards game, which I think we'll dive into extreme detail on in, in segment three, was just so like it is he has been so good without having to change what he has been. He is just yep. being Donovan Mitchell and making really hard shots and playing at this high level and putting so much pressure on the defense. And it's it's unlocking things. Like it is unlocking Jetty Osmond. It is unlocking um like Dean Wade. It is unlocking Dean Wade. And it, it is it is like where Garland is really, really good at generating looks for Allen and I think looks for Mobley and like Biggs. 
Mitchell so far has just been juicing the wings to get open shots. And like Lavert is also playing better and stuff, but um that that's the other that's just everything's kinda clicking. Evan, two last notes on the Bulls game. Mm-hmm. Robin Lopez uh, makes a season debut. I thought played pretty well. Like very much three I'll play Andre Drummond in, in the battle of backup centers. And which is a wild sentence to say. And then in the the other part of it is that Karis Levert again had um he, he had I think eight assists in the opener. I had the notes I pulled this directly. He so he has in this game he has eight eight assists and two turnovers, three, six and three, only made one two point shot. This is just like the, it was the second game in a row where he provided with he provided something positive without scoring, which is what they need, which what he needs to just do for this to kind of all work with him. And he, I, I haven't watched the game close enough to tell you like how to feel about this. I need to watch this one back because I watched this in a setting that was different than normal. I Bickerstaff praised the job that Lavert did on Demar Derozan as well, and I thought that was just mm-hmm. worth it. That Bickerstaff kind of went out of his way to talk about that pregame uh, on Sunday. I mean, yeah, like we we kind of had a little bit of an expectation or a premonition that Lavert would struggle a little bit with. DeMar DeRozan or would struggle with uh, Zach Levine coming back. And yeah, Zach Levine bopped off in his return to the floor for the Bulls, but for the most part, they really did a good job containing um, DeMar DeRozan as a team. And I think a lot of credit does go to Karis Levert because we didn't really see much of Isaac Okoro against the Bulls or in, in general um, on the floor. Oh, and I, boy. Think, I think if you're asking for somebody to step up and be your top perimeter defender, and he told me it was Karis Levert, I'd raise an eyebrow, but he's he's played well enough. Like He's not a stopper. He's not going to be like a ball hawk on defense, but... He's playing well within Cleveland's system and giving effort. I think that's the most you can ask for him at this time. And the more comfortable he gets physically and the more comfortable he gets within just how Cleveland operates as a defensive team is going to just work out very nicely for Lever and the Cavs together. And you, you saw it against the Rose. And like, there's going to be nights like the opener against the uh, Raptors and Pascal Siakam was just feasting on him. But there's also going to be nights like against this, like, like DeRozan, where he, he played pretty well at times. Yes. All right. Uh, the passing stuff too is just. I'm, let's see if this is real after like twenty games. But I'm. I'm yeah. Intrigued. Okay. But that, that's these are these are the small footnotes we're taking. Like people may roll their eyes when we say fifteen to twenty games, but these are the small footnotes we're placing now to say like, okay, is this a real thing? Fifteen to twenty games from now, because like these are what the Cavs are good at. This is what they're not good at, and then we figure out the next steps from there. Yes. All right. After the break, uh, we're gonna come back. We are gonna talk about the Wizards game where Mitchell was again really really good. But first, let's tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for betting on football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and in depth analysis in every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, NBA, all that stuff. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For instance, Evan Mobley is at plus 600 to win Defensive Player of the Year. The Cavs over-under, meanwhile, is set at 48 this season. Bet online. That is where the game starts. Go check them out today. Um, they'll have odds this week for every Cavs game that comes up. Play the... Celtics on Friday. Curious to see how much of an underdog the Cavs will be there. And if you're keeping track of this at home, uh, last year the Cavs were very good against the spread. Just for the record, the Cavs were minus three and a half favorites against the Wizards on Sunday. They covered that. Just, just keep, keep if you're keeping mm. track of that. 
the Cavs hmm. covered on Sunday. Hmm. All right, back here on the Lockdown Cast podcast. I'm Chris. That's Evan. What's up? Evan, let's just talk about Donovan Mitchell a little bit more because I think we need to just dive into how sensational he was on Sunday. 37 uh, really hit the hit the go the, what was ultimately the game winning bucket on Sunday. Uh, this uh, I'm gonna read this tweet from Serena Winners. Only three players all time have scored 30 plus points in three straight games to start their career with the team. Glenn Robinson in 2002-2003 with the Hawks. That was three straight games. Will Chamberlain ever heard of him with the Philadelphia Warriors in 1959-1960 as a rookie? That was eight straight games, and now Donovan Mitchell. That's that is. Balkers and Mitchell was every bit of what you'd expect out of him in this game. Just an utterly, an utterly smooth, precise, explosive performance for him to make really tough shots when they needed him and, and figure it all out. No, you're absolutely right. And another fun fact is the fact that Donovan Mitchell surpassed Austin Carr for the most points scored in their first three games with the team, which is kind of crazy because Mr. Cavalier himself, you know, is a bit of a legend amongst the team, you know what I'm saying. But um, Donovan's just been incredible. And like like we talked, I touched on the last segment, JB Bickerstaff touched on this too. Like there is always something of purpose for what Donovan Mitchell is doing on the floor. Like sure, he... He owned up to it. He said like he didn't have the best fourth quarter, and he um, missed that uh, game-winning three-pointer to close things out. Like he said, most nights I'm not going to go 12-29, and there's also I've had worse fourth quarters than this, but I've also had better fourth quarters as well. Like I think you saw a little bit of the fatigue and just how tired he was, especially because he played 35 minutes against Chicago the night before, and he was inching well past 40 minutes when uh, it was crunch time in the fourth quarter. But he was able to gut check, dig deep, and carry the Cavs to victory, and it's not just that it's yes it's a 37 points and it's the 5 of 12 shooting from three point range but like there's just some type of motor donovan mitchell has where like it really juices his team offensively and he used that really well like he is really looking to get the wing players involved like jetty osmond is finding a bit of a consistent groove with him um dean wade when he's playing the three or the four is finding a bit of a consistent groove on the perimeter kevin love is was more effective against chicago but he was one of four from three uh, against Washington, so like the the Mitchell's three point gravity is something you also you and I have touched on quite a bit. Like you saw with Garland playing off it, but you're now seeing like other role players play off it as well. Where like defenses have to keep themselves honest when defending Mitchell, and then Mitchell and his teammates will just take advantage of that because it's going to be one guy sagging off any of those players I just mentioned. Okay, there's a couple other small things I think we can hit from this one. Uh, the turnovers late were pretty bad. Yeah, they were. Uh, the the go ahead bucket Mitchell hit at one forty three uh, to put the Cavs up two and get the end one was awesome. Then he gets the steal at one twenty three. Osmond finishes on the break. Lavert is that connective pass in the middle before that puts them up five, and they get an end one there as well. Kyle Kuzma kind of went on a foul fest a little bit in overtime. Um, those are kind shouts, of the yeah yeah shouts shouts to the fans that were screaming at Kyle Kuzma on every possession down the stretch of the free throw line. Yeah, it's almost like they don't like him because of the the trolling uh, last year. But after after he hit that corner three pointer, he's going to be the very Cavs. good for the Cavs as they're starting small forward. So, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm manifesting this. By the way, I would love yeah, to watch it happen. He's, I just want to be the record. I 
said I pointed him out as a fat oh, last Chris year. Chris planted this seed in my head many moons ago, and it has yeah. grown into a beautiful rose. He would fit in a lot of ways. Um, other things from this game, you know, I think like we kind of know the guys that Bickerstaff is going to play. Um, you know, Lopez mm-hmm. plays in this game, made an insane circus shot, which just was wild to see. But like, you know, Dean Wade plays in this game. Kevin Love plays. Um, they go a full ten guys deep in this game, but you know this leaves Lamar Stevens, Dylan Windler, who's hurt. Uh, the two A guys, like we we kind of know that like Lamar is out of the rotation. Neto's kind of like the tenth guy, but he just basically had a two minute cameo in the second half. So we kind of know like who the guys they're going to kind of bank on are after these yeah. opening three games. I think, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting to think about like who JB Bickerstaff will turn to because I again was asking him. A while back, like, hey, you've always said you wanted to have one of Don, Evan, or Darius on the floor. Is they plan for um, Evan or Jared as well? And he said, yeah, to an extent, but like, you, there's, they're always hoping to have four of their like seven core guys on the floor at any time. And right now, we know that's Mobley, Allen, Mitchell, Garland, and then it's Levert, but just by minutes alone, Osman, um, and then probably Akora and Wade is just like that. That's nine there, but like. Wade and Osmond are probably like the outliers there, but then like Robin Lopez is getting consistent minutes now, and Kevin Love too. Kevin Love's in that group as well too. I forgot him, but it's it's an interesting balance. I think we're starting to see a little bit of how JP is showing his hand. I'm more curious to see what it looks like when Ricky Rubio comes back and just kind of what the play of Ricky yes. Rubio is because that changes a lot of things. I think for this bench rotation because I think it goes from a core seven to like a core eight guys if Rubio is fully right and ready to go when he does play because. A lot of what the make the, a lot of what made the Cavs successful last year was dynamic guard play from Rubio, and I think you're getting a lot of it from Mitchell. So if you get a modicum of what you had from Rubio last year, you have a strong Darius Garland return. You have Donovan Mitchell firing on all cylinders. Like the Cavs can really find a very healthy balance despite not having a lot of wing depth, which is a weird way to say like the Cavs are winning their way, and they're finding ways to make a roster that does have some flaws to it, seem a little more refined on the floor on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing just to point out, this was a game that they won with like kind of, it was like not, like they, they were 13 to 33 from three, so nearly 40% from three. Uh, had a, a big free throw. isolation. I mean, this is just, it was Mitchell, it was Mitchell Ball in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, 12 was- to 25 from the line versus 9 to 15 from the Wiz, the free throw. Think swings back their way in a big way, which it didn't obviously against Toronto, driving a lot of people mad. Sometimes just get better calls. They win this game with Levert going four of fourteen. Jared Allen was six of thirteen. Seeing him under fifty percent in a game is is wild. Mitchell, as you know, Evan said earlier, was twelve of twenty nine. Okoro's one of four. Osman was six of ten, three of five from three. He's been sensational to start the year. Dean Wade is two of three from three, three of four from the floor. Uh, Kevin Love is two of six in the field, one of four from three. The last thing Evan I want I want to hit is about another Evan. That's Evan Mobley. Hmm. I thought Sunday was a particularly bad, like just kind of a bad offensive game from him. Um, was pretty good defensively, but I I we're still seeing him early this year. Maybe and I wrote about this in my takeaways. If you're the sort, maybe this is still him getting acclimated. All of this stuff, but I yeah. I thought he had some struggles in this game, posting Denny Avdija. And posting Kyle Kuzman. These are guys that are six nine forwards that are like uh, Adija's listed at like two ten. Kuzma's at like two twenty. Mobley still has like a strength issue, kind of uh, posting these guys up and kind of making them pay for him. He's taller than them, 
So if he's at the elbow, he can shoot over them, and like you feel okay about that. But he still isn't like totally able to bull- like bully ball is not in his offensive vocabulary right now. He had a one, the one time I think they directly posted him in the first half. He tried to step around Adija and just like instead he could just couldn't like back him down. He had to kind of step around him, which was interesting. Yeah, and, to and his then, cr- yeah. In the second half, he posted up Kyle Kuzma, and Kyle Kuzma tried to flop and sell. Uh, yeah. Mobley posting him up too hard, and thankfully, like the refs didn't bait on well, it. This is that, where I was like, going. But still, to, like, to, yeah, he, he couldn't. But to his credit, like he scored on Kuzma the possession before that, and then he gets that that call, which goes his way. Mm-hmm. That you, I think, as good as I think we think Mobley could be in, in is the first couple of games for him have been kind of they've been. It hasn't been like the first six minutes of the Raptors game. He was great. I think since then it's been kind of like he's. You can tell he's kind of just getting comfortable figuring stuff out. Yeah. And I, I think he's stronger than last year. I don't think he isn't like he is. There's still probably like another strength level maybe to come. Is kind of what I'm wondering right now. I think he just looks timid right now. I think part of it is he doesn't have the benefit of a full preseason. Like his only preseason yes. action was that fourth game against Orlando, which really wasn't much of a game to begin with, and. He's learning how to play with Donovan Mitchell, and I think that's going to be just a hurdle for them in general. Like Bickerstaff touched on it during the preseason when I asked him about it. He's just like, I'm worried about, not worried, but like there's going to be a bit of a step back where the Cavs would like them to be offensively. And I mean, Donovan Mitchell said all the right things after this game, saying that he and Mobley are on the same page and still figuring things out. Like mentioned that Mobley's very effective in the pick and roll with Darius, and he wants to kind of get to that repertoire with him too. So there's ways the Cavs can kind of go about this and make it easier and. Right now, it's just a bit of a trial by fire because, again, Jared Allen's not going to go for 20-plus points a night, but I'm surprised, but I'm not because he doesn't have a full preseason under his belt, but we're not, like, seeing a huge pop from Evan Mobley, and he just looks very timid out there on the floor. Like, we noticed it tonight. Um, There was a situation where the defense was collapsing on Jared Allen, and he kicked it back out to Mobley, and Mobley kicked it right back to Jared, and so Jared was in the post and trying to... I think work on Kristaps Porzingis at that point, but when Mobley was kind of more open for a jumper, he hesitated and instead kicked it down to a teammate, which is maybe just him trying to make the right play and not be selfish. And that, that's just something you have to learn over time is how to know when is the right time to take a shot and when is the right time not to take a shot. And I think Mobley's just kind of figuring that out. And I don't know. I'm not too overly concerned, but he, other than those six minutes against Toronto, he has looked a little tentative at times on the floor. Yeah, he, it's, it's Mobley... I think tentative and looking maybe just getting acclimated fully is the other thing. And then the other thing I want to see how it bounces back is what Levert just kind of looks like once he sort of normalizes a little bit because it has been such a, like, he's making, like, step-back threes, and he's he threw, like, a great pass in overtime now and we're now, and then he aimed on Porzingis, like, an incredible pass from Levert. But he's, like, oh, not yeah. making, he's, like, not making shots that he's normally kind of, like, gets part of his bag. It's been, like, kind of an interesting, like, fun house like inverse of what Karis Levert is start to his season at least offensively in my mind yeah it is it is an interesting inverse and I think I don't know it's just it's it's tricky to figure out like where the trajectory like I think Evan Mobley is going to be the best player for the Cavs but like he needs to kind of like keep leveling up internally and like you said like you see the flashes it's just you gotta wait for him to kind of put the whole thing together and I think also just three games in the season I know you'll agree with me on this but three games in the season it's like premature to like crown uh evan mobley as like a failure in year two or not like we all knew like this is going to be a process especially because he didn't have much of an offensive repertoire last season like he's trying to add a lot to it now 
And now it's just him trying to find that comfort and familiarity in a new situation. And also where it's higher stake basketball too. Like these games do have meaning early in the season as well as midway and at the end of the season too, where you don't want to maybe do too much because you don't want to result in your team losing. Yes. All right. Let's wrap it up there uh, because we are into Monday as we're recording this. All right. I want to thank everyone again for making a Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens, who on Twitter called Jetty Osmond the MVP. Let him know what you think about that. For your next listen, check out Lockdown Sport, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram on TikTok, on Twitter, all of those places. Please do that. Evan shaking his head no. But yeah, the answer is... Lost, so. Oh. Uh, Phillies. I'm taking the Phillies in six. Don't, feel, don't know why, but I'm taking the Phillies in six. Okay, that, man, no. I, I, Philadelphia needs another championship after the Birds won, so I just want to see the Fnatic just do Fnatic things. I, I want to see, see Grady taste another championship. The Abbott Elementary episode about the Phillies World Series would be 10 out of 10, and I, I want it just for that reason alone. Okay. On that note, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Be well.